to a brand new episode of Virtual Coffee. My name is Alexa Collier, and on this podcast, I interview small business owners. We discuss their journeys, their perspectives, their pieces of advice. And with me today are the founders and owners of Siesta Wrap, Dev and Rosario. They made their debut on Virtual Coffee back on episode 65, which was over a year ago. And I recommend listening to that episode if you haven't already to hear the introduction to their business and really why they started the business. But Dev and Rosario are back on the pod to share their updates to Siesta Wrap. They reflect on their growth and give advice to really anyone who is pursuing their passion. I love when guests come back on for a second time because we really get to dig into amazing perspectives and topics and just go deeper than we did when they were first on the podcast. Also, Dev and Rosario were kind enough to give listeners of Virtual Coffee 10% off your purchase of a siesta wrap. You can go on their website and use the code VIRTUALCOFFEE, again, to get 10% off your purchase. That's code VIRTUALCOFFEE, all one word, V-I-R. T-U-A-L-C-O-F-F-E-E, virtual coffee for 10% off. And before we hear from Devin Rosario, as always, thank you so much for tuning back in to the show. Uh, You can follow us along on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, all the social medias. It's all at Virtual Coffee Podcast. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And let's dive into this very valuable episode uh, with the owners of Siesta Wrap. Welcome, Devraj and Rosario, to Virtual Coffee again, part two. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Alexa. Thank you so much. Happy to have you guys back on. For those who haven't listened, you guys were first on episode 65 back in the day. So encourage folks to to jump into that episode. Um, but for those who who might be unfamiliar with Siesta Wrap and who you are, would you guys each like to maybe introduce yourselves and, of course, the business? Dev, do we want to start with you? Yeah, thank you so much, Alexa. Uh, my name is Dev or Devraj. Uh, I met Rosario at the Illinois Math and Science Academy, which is our high school. We met there when we were 16 years old and we started Siesta Rap right around that time. Uh, right now we're 19 and we're off to college. And Rosario? Yeah, so one important detail that Dev left out there. Um, so the, the Illinois Math and Science Academy was a residential high school, which is basically what allowed us to come up with Siesta Rap. So we were coming back from Chicago one day. Um, it was super cold. Um, we were just bouncing on the bus. And we just thought there had to be a better way. And we ran back to our dorm room and uh, started from there. But I'm Rosario. Uh, I'm 19 years old. I met Dev at, at IMSA. And it's been going since then. Excellent. Well, yeah, thank you for for that intro. And would love to just know what you guys have been up to since we last recorded, which must have been a year, if not over a year ago. Um, what have you yeah. guys been up to? Because you guys weren't in college yet. So yeah, it must have been been over a year ago. What have been the the kind of major updates of Siesta Wrap? Yeah, let, let's just start with that. Major major updates since the last time we spoke. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I think our biggest major update is, is moving all of our production overseas. So we're actually manufacturing in, in China right now, getting everything shipped over here. And besides that, we've really been working really hard on our on our marketing and advertising. That is something that we've kind of never done before and don't have experience with. 
And navigating that on top of college has definitely been, you know, a really interesting experience to say the least. Yeah, definitely. And then to give you some more numbers, um, we ordered our first patch from China that was about 2000 units. And it was really nice since we could custom design our fabric, custom design our stitching quality. Uh, everything was done to our specifications. We also managed to get the margins a little bit higher for our products so we could afford to market. Um, in that marketing front, Rosario has built out a really nice email campaign. Uh, we've been growing our Instagram page. We're going to start posting consistently on TikTok. And then the nice thing about TikTok is we actually have a couple of friends who've put together a sort of guerrilla marketing team uh, to get more experience through CS to Wrap. So it's nice that we can engage our community as well through the business. Nice. That's great. Yeah. I, it sounds like you're just working on expanding and getting the the processes in place. And yeah, I just looked at your your Instagram. I had no idea you guys were at 11.6K followers. What the yes. heck? That's <laughs> awesome. Oh my gosh. How... What do you think led to that growth? And yes, I'm selfishly asking. <laughs> no, it's, it's it's amazing what a little bit of an advertising budget will do on Instagram. And one thing we've noticed is that, you know, when you're first starting off advertising, the conversions are low and it's expensive. And, you know, life life kind of sucks there for a little while because you're, you're really trying to figure out what ads work and and where to post them and what, what target, you know, market to be using. And after that things start to pick up a little bit more. And, and if you get an ad that kind of hits, you can definitely drive a lot more traffic to your page. And a lot of those, tra a lot of that traffic converts to followers. But originally we were doing just a really gorilla and kind of, you know, very time consuming uh, method of just following and unfollowing people uh, to try to get our name out there a little bit more. I'm curious, both your thoughts on kind of building up that follower base do you see a direct correlation with sales? And you don't need to get into specific numbers if you don't want to. But what are what are your thoughts on maybe I'm asking the importance of building up followers or maybe when you stop focusing on that and then pivot to maybe more sales marketing? If you understand what I'm getting at, um, just would love your thoughts there. When we kind of have a sales funnel built up, um, Instagram and Facebook is where our customers tend to find us, either whether it be through advertising or through following or someone mentions it on their feed or reposts us. That's when the customer gets introduced to the brand. Um, we have ad campaigns that retarget the customers so that they see the brand over and over again. The goal is to get them to click on our website. If they've clicked on our website, that means that they're relatively interested in the product. When they click on the website, we hope that they click on our email campaign and put their email in for that discount code. And then when they put in that discount code, that's when we know that, okay, they're likely to make a sale. And then out of our email campaign, maybe we get 3% that open our emails and actually click through them. And then of that, maybe another 3% um, would convert. So it's really important to get a lot of people moving through the door because the conversion rates just across the industry are pretty low. So it's a numbers game that we're playing here. One thing I'd like to add is, is on Instagram, we, we don't necessarily see a lot of direct conversions from link clicks directed to our website. Like Dev said, a lot of those come from a sign up on the email list. That being said, direct messaging certain contacts, especially when they first follow us uh, and sending out a discount code or something like that does engage the user uh, a lot more than just a, a post or a reel or anything like that. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I love how technical you both are into the business. It's, it's quite refreshing to hear, actually. I, I find 
not all, but I think when some small business owners are starting out, I think the passion is what really drives them. And clearly you both have the passion for this. Otherwise you wouldn't be doing it. But, you know, on this podcast, sometimes I, I don't often hear the technicalities of running the business, how you guys are talking about, you know, conversion rates. And this is why we did this. And this strategy was placed here. And, you know, clearly, you know, what, what you're talking about and did research behind it. Um, and I really appreciate that because I think part of business is pure passion and pure just going for it and taking risks and playing in the gray. And then another side of business is there, it's a game. There's, there's a game there to be played and there are certain strategies you can learn to play it right, you know, and you kind of need the balance of both, which I think you, you both are clearly, you clearly have it and are continuing to, to refine that balance. It's, it's nice. You can hear it in in your answers. I, I really appreciate that. I think that's very smart. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, one thing we we never realized when we first started out was how much of a learning process it would be. We were a little naive because we, we thought, you know, we could just throw money at ads and, you know, our business would take off and, and that would kind of be the end of it. And we'd be on a, a yacht somewhere in the Bahamas. But that didn't, you know, that didn't didn't necessarily pan out because, like you said, there is a whole lot of refinement that needs to go into advertisements and scaling. And we, we just were way underprepared for that. Yeah, and I think to add to that, like since the beginning, like since we started CSRAP in high school, we went in with the intention that it would be a good learning experience and a good starting point to jump off to different businesses after the end of it. Like maybe after we sell out or after our business reaches its market cap, then we can start something else. But that would entail having the skills built up to uh, do that. So most people at our uh, I guess like level in business right now, they would outsource most of their marketing, but we're still planning on learning everything first so that when we do outsource it, we know what to look for in a marketing partner. But yeah, I think right now what we what really works for us is having a mentor. So we do have a lot of people who are willing to help us out and mentor us, um, especially there's a few former upperclassmen from Insta who've really taken the time to sit down with us and run us through the marketing. And we really appreciate that because we can learn a lot from other people. Yeah, that's excellent. And, and Rosario, no, yacht, no yacht yet, right? You're, <laughs> you're getting there. Um, but yeah, in terms of that, that outsourcing, it, it makes sense how you're explaining it. And also what comes to my mind is if you outsourced everything, what would, what would there be to learn, right? What would there be exactly. to do? So um, I completely understand like the taking on that learning experience and then yes, maybe outsourcing once you've either mastered that or realized, hey, someone else can do this way better and and you kind of pass the, that ball to them, but then you you guys take on a different level of the business. So yeah, it's very, very smart. I'm curious what you're both uh, what you both decided to pursue in college and whatever that is, um, did you choose that because it will help your entrepreneurship mindset or did you want to do maybe something completely opposite? Would love definitely to hear from both of you on that. All right, so I chose a pretty interesting track. I'm actually doing a dual major right now. I'm pursuing a dual major in cognitive neuroscience and enterprise management. Cognitive neuroscience is more the study of not the brain and its biology, but more so the brain and how it perceives colors, shapes, people, emotions, and how we can manipulate some of the ways that the brain interprets things. So there's a lot of machine learning involved, um, especially to map out like specific neurons, how their firing patterns might work. And then the enterprise management aspect comes in um, because I also want to be equipped with business skills uh, to run enterprises. 
And I really want to use neuroscience to help inform my business decisions so I can make more brain-centric, people-centric decisions in my business ventures. Yeah, and I went a little bit of a different way. I'm starting, uh, I'm studying mechanical engineering and um, I'm at Carnegie Mellon right now. Uh, I guess the reason I chose mechanical engineering was because I wanted to be able to have a technical understanding of the products and uh, technology behind the businesses that I was going to be building in the future. And I felt like mechanical engineering gave me the broadest, I guess, education and viewpoint of understanding, you know, the businesses I wanted to be working on. Um, at some point in the future, I do hope to do some sort of formal be- uh, business education. Um, but for the time being, Siestrap was kind of going to be my double major in a sense <laughs> in uh, entrepreneurship. I felt it was just going to be a, a more valuable learning experience than sitting through a uh, classroom. You guys are insane in the best way possible. It's just, <laughs> I'm just, it's so inspiring to hear the plans you have for yourself. I know like how much hard work this is, and I'm sure I don't even know all of it to the extent of how how hard you both work, but it's just so nice to see you both so early on in your careers, not even like officially into, into professional career yet, just pursuing what you want to, taking the learnings from it, logically knowing, you know, I can take this learning for the future and this is what I want to do. But but you're also very open. It's It also doesn't sound like you have the next 10 years planned out to a T, right? It, again, you kind of have that balance of setting yourself up for success, but leaving some of those doors ready to be opened, right? But you might not know what's behind them. It's very inspiring and just shows that you can like understand what you want to pursue and go for it and and you can set yourself up for success if you if you at least know kind of what you want. I completely agree and we've had this dis- we've had this exact discussion so many times. We're focusing on on building skills rather than I guess creating a roadmap like you said. Um we we do ultimately know I I guess where we want to go kind of the types of businesses we want to build but we have no idea how it's going to get done and we we don't know the next what the next 10 years are going to look like. The past like 2 3 years have changed us and, and our trajectory so rapidly, you know, for better or for worse, just put us on a different course that we can't even begin to predict like what the next 10 years are going to look like and how our lives are going to change through that point. So it's like what's the point in in wasting the time and and, and effort in in planning it out? And to build on that, there's certain things that you can plan out. Like, for example, if you can plan out like when you're submitting your next assignment or if there's any academic goals you want to hit before the end of the school year. Same thing for business. Like if you want to set quarterly goals for your business, like that's definitely something that's doable. But in terms of life goals, it's, it's better to have goals like for for me, what I do is I define goals in terms of affirmations. So like I use very strong I statements to define how I want to how I want my life to look like. I guess on a broader scale, maybe over the span of five or ten years, and that seems to be working better for me than setting goals that keep changing over time. I'd rather define the goal state rather than the goal itself. I completely agree with both of you. It it's quite helpful for myself too because I'm I'm also at a point in my career where I'm like, hmm, what where do I want to go next? What do I want to do? You know, what is my my goal? And I don't have that five, ten year goal completely defined, but to your point, I am trying to build skill sets that I know will help the direction that I want to go in. Um, diving into UI UX, you know, building like whatever it is. I love that advice of building the skills rather than 
pursuing a 100% defined roadmap. That's beautiful advice. And clearly, you know, so far it's been working for both of you. I completely agree with that. I think people sometimes focus too much on, oh, I know I want to be XYZ or do XYZ. And they just so narrow-mindedly pursue that. And they miss so much along the way, right? Like that might, that might not even be what's meant for you, right? Like you, you're giving up almost divergence in the plan that, that might be better than what you first defined. Exactly. Yeah. Any other pieces of advice that have, have struck you, you know, over the past year or anything else top of mind when, when you think of people who are listening to this podcast, they might be small business owners themselves. They might want to pursue their passion. Maybe they're in a, in a corporate job and, and that's their path as well. And what are, what are both of your kind of top pieces of advice um, since, since we've last spoken? Yeah, so I'll actually give some credit to Rosario because he's the one who taught me this. Um, before at IMSA, I was pretty spread thin in terms of the things that I was doing and the activities I was doing and the stuff I wanted to accomplish, essentially. And then I met Rosario, and then he taught me how to reshape my priorities for depth rather than breadth. So right now, I'm only focusing on school and siesta wrap and then helping my parents out at home and things like that. But before, I would be working on my neuroscience stuff separately. I'd be working on my entrepreneurship stuff separately. And I would have like five or six things going on. But Rosario really helped me focus my priorities, plot them on the calendar. And once I plotted siesta wrap and school on the calendar, along with all the other like minor things that I'm doing each week, I realized that, oh, wow, these are 80-hour weeks now <laughs> if I really want to get things done. Um, because that's just the amount of time that these things take. And really plotting that on the calendar, sitting down with Rosario and reviewing my calendar made me realize that if I want to commit to something, there's going to be an opportunity cost involved. And I'm going to have to say no to a lot of other things to do really well in the things that I want to move forward aggressively. I feel that completely, Dev. I mean, me personally, I'm, I'm pursuing like a boot camp outside of work. I have my job, I have the podcast. And I think that's exactly what I was trying to get at with one of my most recent solo episodes is just focusing on what needs to be focused on now. It's and it's it's really prioritization, right? And understanding that your priorities can shift year to year, day to day, maybe even hour by hour, but recognizing that and not trying to constantly do everything at once. So I love that piece of advice and it's very helpful for me and a good reminder for me. So thank you. And and Rosario, please, what what's top of your mind for advice? Uh, the first thing I can think of, and this has been something Dev and I have been working on for probably better better part of a year now, and it, it comes down to what we've labeled as like perfection bias. Starting in school and especially in, in academics, there's a lot of pressure to, I think, always turn in the most perfect version of everything. Um, so it's, you know, constantly, you know, rewriting your essay four times to make sure it's correct, reworking a math prob problem over and over until you've got kind of that formula down. But that doesn't work in the real world, and it especially doesn't work in um, entrepreneurship, because going back to a book that we've kind of based our company off of um, called The Lean Startup, you're supposed to be basically pushing through as many designs and iterations as possible. And I, I, at the end of the day, pushing out a product that necess isn't necessarily perfect all the time. And one thing we've really struggled with is spending way too much time on each iteration and making it perfect, even if it may not be in the, in the correct direction. So making sure that we're constantly pushing out, you know, versions and, and testing and uh, testing everything without trying to perfect it um, has really, I, I guess, 
made our learning a lot quicker and a lot more agile. And we've been able to take the company in, I guess, new directions that we we wouldn't have necessarily been able to take had we perfected everything. To build on that, like there's just one quick tidbit. There's a point where improvements become pretty marginal. Like, for example, if you're writing an essay and you have it perfected, but it's going to take you two hours to incorporate a different point, that would be the difference between an A minus and an A. It might be best to not spend those two hours and spend them elsewhere. And then the same principle applies in business. Like if you're making a TikTok video and it's going to take you two or three hours to perfect it, whereas you can push out a first draft in 30, 40 minutes, it might be best to let your audience um, give you some good feedback because that TikTok video, like Rosario said, might not be in the right direction or there might be something that's missing from it. But that's not to say that you shouldn't cover all of your bases. Like, for example, we do make sure that all of our content is produced like with a good quality camera, like everything is stable that we have a microphone so that our audio is consistent. So it's important to at least do your due diligence. Like it's no excuse for being lazy, but the focus here is to cut down the time involved. It's not to cut down the quality. Yeah, I think it goes back to the theme of keeping an open mind and not having that one narrow-minded focus on something, but also having like the logistics, the technicalities figured out, you know, kind of like somewhat of a plan. It kind of, that just reminds me of what you're speaking about, even with the iterations of the product of, yeah, you guys have your, your end goal in mind, like, you know, where you're aiming, but you're also iterating, evolving, testing, experimenting to see what happens and to see what, what feedback you get. And I, yeah, I think that fits nicely with that theme we were talking about earlier. TikTok, by the way, so hard to do. Have you guys figured out the the secret behind TikTok? Or I don't know, do you guys produce all your all your social media stuff? TikTok is so hard. And I know I know I should get on it more and like release snippets of the podcast. And I, I want to do that. That's kind of my plan for 2023 once I'm done with my boot camp that I'm doing. But so hard. It's <laughs> so difficult to do. Any any advice there or tips and tricks or I don't know. How do you guys like TikTok? <laughs> We're approaching TikTok with a very, I, I, I guess, rather unconventional um, method. Um, so our, our TikTok page is basically going to have two facets. It's going to have an educational side and it's going to have kind of a, a fun side. Um, and we haven't played around with it to figure out which one of those is better, if either. Um, but basically, the educational side of our TikTok is supposed to display, like, I guess, more about the product how the product works, how you can use it, what you can do with it, extremely product centric. And then the, the, the fun side of the TikTok is going to be more the, the funny use cases, you know, um, how, how else can I describe this? Basically like short comedic skits related to the product that possibly don't exactly explain what the product is, but explain how it can more be used. And uh, I think approaching it with both of those ideas in mind, we can kind of capture a lot more of the market and we can figure out what exactly works for advertising our product. Because the answer to your question is, we don't know and we have no idea and it's going to be a whole lot of experimentation. Same. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, again, I like how you are are having a plan for it and appreciate the that fun, but then also educational side. Yeah, that that makes sense. I think Again, helpful for me. I think I need to set a plan for what what I want to get out of virtual coffee TikTok and and kind of go from there. So yeah, yeah, helpful helpful advice in there. I'm interested in knowing you know both of you working together, um, not being necessarily in the same place all the time. Do you guys have any internal processes 
that you follow that you find helpful working together? You know, like I'm thinking, do you do you have a weekly meeting or a weekly, you know, stand up with each other where it's scheduled, it's on the calendar, you meet every day at that time? Or is it more fluid since you're also, you know, friends, you're not just business partners? So Rosario and I definitely have a pretty uh, fluid relationship. We can always call each other, pick up the phone and just Rosario's on speed dial. And I think I'm on speed dial for him as well. <laughs> so every day we I would say we spend about 30 minutes on a phone call. That's just a check in or get small things done. In terms of processes, we do use a Trello board and Trello is like a task management software. Um, it's nice because it lets you create lists and it lets you create cards within those lists. So it's a bit more than checklists. You can assign um, cards to people. You can add descriptions to the cards, links, deadlines. So that's what we primarily use. We have uh, lists for marketing, uh, manufacturing, management, sales. Uh, and then we have a nice list called future endeavors for all the things that we want to tackle later. In terms of sharing content, we are using Google Drive as like the hub for our business. Um, that's where all of our plans go. That's where all of our marketing material go. And it's really nice because we can push and pull content or push and pull ideas from each other. Uh, whenever we do meet, we usually tend to take meeting notes, like pretty detailed meeting notes so that we can always refer back to that. And then those meeting notes eventually get converted into action items on our Trello. And then in terms of the more formal meetings um, that we do schedule through Google Calendar, and then we sit down and then just work on a project together. That's usually for more planning or strategy based meetings. Um, otherwise, it's usually a phone call. I love Trello. Trello keeps my <laughs> my life in check. So I need to get sponsored by Trello. <laughs> Trello, if you're listening, sponsor us. Um, yes, love that. And it sounds like you guys have the systems down, right? Like the technologies that you use, but then keep the hey, I'm just going to pick up the phone and, and call you because I have a question. Like it's not it's not formalized in the sense of meetings, which I think makes sense because like you said, you guys are are also friends. So you don't want to only have a transactional relationship, right? You want to keep, keep that friendship as well. Of course. And there's a lot of times I'm working and this goes more into the fluidity of, of kind of how we communicate with each other. Um, there's a lot of times I'm working on something and I'm like, I need immediate feedback on this because, you know, I, I need to make sure that what I've built and, and where I'm going with this work session, you know, even even this specific two hours um, is going to be best utilized. So that's when I'll pick up the phone and give Dev a call and kind of send over what I'm working on so he can take a look at it and we can, you know, look at it together and figure out if it is going in the right direction or not. Yeah, exactly. That that makes a lot of sense. Diving into future of Siesta Wrap, any big plans, future goals that you want to share with the audience? Um, yeah, where where are you hoping to take it now? What's the next step, if you will? So right now we're focused on selling through our current inventory of 2,000 units that came in from China. We're planning on doing this by selling um, just direct consumer B2B, like with branded, uh, like as a promotional item, and then also through pop-up shops. After that, we're planning to reorder um, again from China. Yeah, eventually we're, we're going to hope to be doing kind of a new product launch. We have a few ideas in the pipeline. And after, you know, after that, it's really going to be a marketing and advertising endeavor. And I know I've said this a couple of times, but that is really like, I guess, one of our biggest constraints at the moment. And, and one of the things that we're just down in the dirt and, and really learning. Dev and I have had a discussion a couple of times looking at kind of some of our competitors. And we've come to realize that a lot of I guess e-commerce businesses are not necessarily, you know, designers or, or, or product, you know, manufacturers. They're they're marketing firms, and they're marketing firms who have kind of come up with an idea, and they they 
shipped it off to somebody to get made. And they're sitting around, you know, trying to figure out how to market the product. And that seems to take up a majority of their time. And I, I guess future endeavors for, for Siesta app is just refining our marketing, our advertising, content creation, all of the, the facets that we don't have a lot of experience with, unfortunately. And to build on that, like, I, I think there was a quote, you can have the best product in the world, but nobody's going to know it if you don't have the marketing to back it up. And I think that's definitely the case for Siesta Wrap. We really took advantage in our early age of organic marketing, like just either through people that we already know or showing people the product like in person and then having them buy a sale. But it's a lot harder for us to market online, especially since we're competing with huge, huge companies that buy up a lot of the market share. Like a company like Coca-Cola, for example, that's already a household brand and they have advertising to keep you within their brains. So there's not really much space in the market for small businesses to really carve out their own marketing, um, I guess, like push. Like you're going to have to buy either a lot of ad space or run a lot of ads or do a lot of guerrilla marketing. So that's what we're struggling with right now. Um, there's a unique complexity for our business specifically because not many people know what the siesta app is or how it works from just looking at it. So that's why we need to have that educational aspect as well as the fun aspect, um, especially when we're marketing on TikTok and other platforms. And that fun aspect, it's more like trends. It, it Those fun ad, like videos shouldn't sound like an advertisement. Those are really meant to engage with the consumer. But we do think that there's a necessity for the education front so that the consumer understands what they're seeing online. Because if they're in person, they can get handed a siesta wrap player on with it. I can show them how to like stuff the blanket back into the pillow. But that's something that's lost on them through video. I think all of that makes a ton of sense. And again, there's great pieces of advice in there. And it sounds like once you have the product pretty solidly defined, like you guys have, it's then, okay, moving on to exactly your point, getting the product out there, getting people aware of it. And that is very hard. And again, yes. you're help you're helping me kind of define what my next priority should be for the podcast too, because I, I can very much relate. I have the process down. I know how it goes, you know, and being a podcast and not selling something, it's a little bit easier to nail that down. Um, but now it's like, all right, next step is pushing it, getting it out there, getting it to a bigger audience. So I can completely relate to that, as I'm sure many, many business owners can, because you I think some people hit that point pretty quickly, right? Especially if you know, hey, this is what I sell. I have the product narrowed down. Yeah, you're still experimenting and doing some testing there. But all right, next get it to the audience, grow your audience, which exactly to your point is very difficult. <laughs> yeah. We're doing this one by one. Like we first started with our supply chain and distribution. Um, then we went into refining our website. And then now we're finally getting into the marketing. Uh, ideally, if we had more time, we do all of these things at once. That's why so many bigger businesses than us, they have teams of people working so that all of these things can get done at the same time. So when our product is landed from China, ideally next time we'd have all these facets going at once. We'd have the marketing done, we'd have the supply chain done, like at least maintained so that these units can go out as soon as they land. I think that would be the holy grail for us is just to have consistent orders. That makes a ton of sense. And again, you guys are, are very much programmatizing, if that's the right word, or if I'm saying that correctly, like you're putting like a, a step by step behind it, right? And and making it making it feasible, if you will. You're not trying yeah. to tackle everything at once. And that, I think, is the right way to do it, for sure. 
Well, before I get to my last question, just wanted to open the floor to you both. Any other thoughts top of mind? Any other advice you want to share or updates to the business you want to share? Um, just want to make sure we capture everything that's on top of both of your minds. This is something that I've been working on in my personal life is having more fun in the things that I'm doing. And I've been trying to have a lot more fun when I'm working on Siesta app and almost gamifying it. Same thing for school. Like I was telling Rosario about an essay that I'm writing last night. And usually like the word essay just elicits like a groan out of a student. But for me, I was actually excited to write the essay because I was pretty in touch with the topic that I was writing about. So I, I flipped the perspective that I would usually have is, oh, I need to get through this essay to get to Siesta Rap and instead viewed it as, oh, this is going to be a fun essay, and then I can finally go work on my business and have fun while doing the both of them. And I think that's a thing that Rosario and I are really working hard on is having fun while we're working. Because if we didn't have fun, then we're wasting the best years of our life. You know, we, we need to make sure that whatever we're doing, we're finding joy in it. So that's a big push for us. Yeah, that's interesting you bring that up. I find that's that's a topic people don't approach or speak about. The fact that running your own business or pursuing whatever passion you have can get maybe mundane, maybe boring, maybe really hard and you want to quit. And to your point, just finding that that spark and trying to maintain that as best as possible. Of course, there's going to be the days where you're like, yeah, this is not fun. I just need to push through it. Of course, every aspect of life has those moments, but trying to have more fun moments than not fun moments um, is important to find. And that's perhaps one of the most important things, because if you're not having fun, if you're not enjoying it, to your point, Dev, what's the point? I, I appreciate that you brought that up. Yeah, that was really well worded. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's all, all what you said. Um, wonderful. Well, my last question for the both of you, and you answered this when we first recorded, and maybe your answer is the same. That's perfectly okay. But in this moment, what is your proudest accomplishment? Can be related to Siesta Wrap. Maybe it's something completely different topic. Um, but first thing that comes to mind, proudest accomplishment so far. I'd have to say my proudest accomplishment, it is it is Siesta Rep, but it's more specifically in sticking with the learning process behind Siesta Rep. There, there's been so many times that I, I've just wanted to kind of just walk away from it and, and not necessarily pursue it any longer. And coming back to the whole educational experience behind starting the business and, and, and maintaining it and keeping it going has definitely... How, how am I trying to put this? It, it's certainly been like my biggest accomplishment. Yeah. So I think the company has built a lot of discipline for us, like in terms of sticking with something like there's definitely been the good, there's definitely been the bad, and there's definitely been a lot of ugly. <laughs> and the company has really put us through an emotional roller coaster, like whether it's dealing with clients, making sure our customers are happy, or maybe it's even selling through through $2,000 of units in one day, you know? So there's been good days, there's been bad days, there's been times where Rosario and I have gotten into disagreements, but really at the end of the day, we're still here, we're still sticking with it and we're still persevering. And that sort of discipline, I don't think we can develop that through any other way besides actually getting down and getting dirty with our business, you know, and sticking with it. One thing I'd like to add, like just a personal, uh, accomplishment or I guess a character trait that I'm trying to develop and valuing a lot really is curiosity. Um, I think that to start a business, you need to be 
very curious and be essentially a lifelong learner. You really want to understand how things, processes, people function and in, like investigating those processes and whatever you observe in your daily life, that'll help you find those inefficiencies that you want to solve. So I, I do owe a big portion of the business down to my curiosity, like what problem exists, how can we solve it? And uh, another aspect of that curiosity is how far can I take this? And that's where the curiosity becomes a self-motivator. I love it. Love both of your answers. And of course, uh, congratulations on everything you're continuing to accomplish. Um, and Deva, point you made reminds me of a quote that discipline equals freedom. And I think that speaks to what you were you were talking about. But yes, love love having you on of the podcast as always. You're always more more than welcome on again. Thank you so much for sharing your updates and again can't wait to continue to follow along both of your journeys. Before we sign off here, where can people find you and Siesta Wrap? Shout everything out. Absolutely. So they can find us uh, primarily at our website, which is siestarap.com, um, and both of our socials, which are just going to be at siestarap. We, we want to uh, keep it simple there. And uh, Alexa, I think you also have a uh, another coupon code or addition you'd like to shout out as well. Yes, definitely. And of course, I'll add this in the intro as well and in the, the description of this episode. But I, I do have a code with Siesta Wrap. Thank you both. It's virtual coffee, V-I-R-T-U-A-L-C-O-F-F-E-E, -E, virtual coffee for 10% off your purchase. And you can use that code on, on their website. Um, so thank you so much for, for that code for our audience. I hope everyone checks out you guys and Siesta Wrap. Go get 10% off. Um, and thank you both so much for being on the podcast. No, thank you, Alexa. Thank you. It was really our pleasure. Yeah.